Information discussed in this podcast may be sensitive in nature to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Alexis Patterson was reading and writing before she even started kindergarten. She was eager to learn, and when she was finally able to start going to school, Alexis couldn't have been more excited. In fact, she loved school so much, she would never even dream of missing a day. On May 2nd, 2002, however, Alexis might have been having some end-of-the-year school struggles. That evening, Alexis didn't want to do her homework. And her mom told her that she would not be able to take cupcakes to her class the next day as she had wanted to. And Alexis was pretty upset. The morning of May 3rd, Alexis would walk to school with her stepdad, Laron. He watched her run off to the playground and then he turned around to walk back home. That afternoon, Alexis didn't come home from school. Her mom gave her an extra hour or so before she headed up to the school herself to look for her. She walked into Alexis's classroom and asked where Alexis was. She was immediately horrified to learn that Alexis wasn't in school that day. Alexis hasn't been seen or heard from since. Where is Alexis Patterson? I can tell you that I'm not giving up. 
Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know how to say how I feel. I don't even know how to express how I feel. So much has kept me going. You know, the not knowing really has kept me going because it gives me the ability to keep fighting. You know, and, and really, fighting is, is, is uh, that's, that's what I do. It's been 20 years, okay? And this is a hard fight. This is a hard battle. You understand? So I'm not giving up, ever. Just, I'm not giving up. Believe what I say when I say my baby alive. That's what I want the community to do. Believe me when I say my daughter is alive. Believe me if I say that's my daughter, believe me, because I know mine. I'm, I don't, I'm not just saying it just to say I know my child. I want to keep the vibration frequency raised when it comes to Alexis, you know? I want everybody to know that, even though we all know that she's alive, we all know that clearly. I just, I want the world to be awakened and know that I found my daughter. That's what I want. Alexis, mama coming for you, and you know it. Yeah. Hello, and welcome back to the Where Are They podcast and another unsolved missing person case. This story takes us to the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. And this is a story that you likely haven't heard of before, especially if you're not local to that area. Alexis Patterson was only seven years old when she vanished from the Milwaukee area, doing what every child does, going to school. Alexis is described as an African-American female with black hair and brown eyes. She stood three foot eight inches tall and weighed around 42 pounds when she was last seen. She was a first grader at Highmount Community Elementary School. Before we jump into Alexis's story, a big welcome to our newest Patreon member, Robert. Thank you so much for joining us and supporting our show. Our contact information is always in the show notes, as well as our Patreon link and all of our social media handles. Please give us a follow over there and keep an eye out for case updates and news. Now let's talk about why we are here. Alexis Patterson. Alexis Patterson was born on April 4th, 1995, to mom, Ayana, and dad, Kenya. Ayana was just 16 years old at the time, but she was instantly a loving mother to Alexis. And Alexis was a good girl, a bright girl, with a big smile. Now, in many cases, the missing person is always described as a person who lit up the room when they walked in or was a bubbly spirit. But when you see Alexis's photos... You just know that these are accurate ways to describe her. In these photos, she has a big smile that stretches all over her face. Her little nose scrunches up, and even her eyes are smiling. In 2002, at age seven, Alexis was living with her mother, Ayana, and her stepfather, Laurent. Ayana's biological father, Kenya, was in prison. In May of 2002, Alexis was nearing the end of first grade. She had perfect attendance and thoroughly enjoyed going to school. The Disappearance 
On May 2nd, 2002, Alexis and her mom had an argument during the evening hours. Alexis wanted to take cupcakes to school the next day, but her mom said she could not. The morning of Thursday, May 3rd, 2002, Alexis woke up for school. That morning, her stepdad, Laron, would walk Alexis to school. Laron said he walked to the school and he watched her run off to the playground. He then turned around and started walking back home, confident that Alexis was safe and sound at school. That afternoon, Ayana was waiting for Alexis to get home. And when Alexis didn't come home at her normal time, her mom, of course, began to worry, but gave her a little more time. Maybe she had hung behind talking to friends or got distracted. It's not clear if Alexis was supposed to walk home or be transported home, but Ayana would wait for about an hour before she herself headed over to the school to look for Alexis. Ayana went straight to her daughter's classroom and her teacher was still inside. Ayana immediately asked if she knew where Alexis was. And when her teacher told her that no, she didn't, and that Alexis wasn't even in school that day, Ayana's heart sank. Her mind raced to figure out an explanation. Was Alexis still mad over the cupcakes? But where would she go and where had she been all day? Ayana said she knew it wasn't like Alexis, who, remember, loved school and had perfect attendance up until that point. I can imagine as a parent, you feel sick to your stomach with fear, but your mind is also desperate for an explanation, any explanation that makes sense. Laurent said that he saw her head off towards the school before he himself turned around and went back home. Some of the students also said they remembered seeing Alexis on the playground that morning. Were they wrong? Or had Alexis left school grounds after that? I don't believe any adults at the school, a teacher or any faculty or anyone else, came forward with seeing Alexis that morning. Authorities were then called in and notified that Alexis was missing. And the search for seven-year-old Alexis began. The Search The search for Alexis began near the school. Her school, Highmount Elementary School in Milwaukee, was the area of focus since it was believed that was the last place she was seen. Local news was alerted and parents, teachers, and other students were interviewed by law enforcement. But there were no immediate clues as to where Alexis might be. Alexis's home was also searched and yielded no clues. Ayana was beside herself. Alexis was her baby girl, even at age seven, and her world had stopped. She was given a polygraph test during the interview process, and she passed. Laron was also given a polygraph, but Laron's results were much different. In fact, Laron's polygraph was marked as deceptive. He had failed. Those tests are controversial. And one thing was noted that Laurent has a criminal history and a large portion of that polygraph test was revolving around his criminal history, his criminal past, and had nothing to do with Alexis. So if he was being deceptive, it might have had nothing to do with Alexis herself. We just don't have enough details. 
Authorities didn't have any evidence that Laurent had done anything to Alexis, despite these polygraph results. And they never indicated that he was even as much of a person of interest to them. Searches also began at Washington Park Lagoon. This park is about a half mile from Alexis's school, the Highmount Community School. The water was searched with special equipment and trained investigators. Nothing was found. This pond, Washington Pond, is actually a 10-acre lake with a depth of just about 5 feet. Helicopters were also used to search from the air, search the park area, and the city and the surrounding area. I did do a little research on the park area itself and just wanted to mention that in 2007, it was turned into a full-fledged ecological park center, but this would be five years after Alexis vanished. It looks like a busy, populated, well-visited place right now, but what was it like in 2002? Google Maps archives only go back to 2007 for that area. But I can see why they focused there. A body of water is always a concern when a child goes missing, when anyone goes missing. And unfortunately, back in 2002, a lot less people had security cameras as well. If a child was going to run away or skip school, heading to a nearby park would also be a likely place of refuge, especially at age seven. It was also learned through interviews of the students at the school that in the week leading up to Alexis's disappearance, a red pickup truck was seen parked on the street right outside the school. No one could ever figure out who that truck belonged to, and it was determined it didn't belong to any family of a student at the school. And after Alexis vanished, that truck was never seen again. To this day, authorities have not been able to identify who that truck belonged to, or even if it could possibly be connected to Alexis Patterson. On May 6th, three days after the disappearance, Alexis's biological father was released from prison. He was immediately said to be helpful and cooperative to the investigation. A week after Alexis vanished, there was still no sign of this little girl. A group of 100 volunteers joined in on the search for her and called themselves Operation LAP, standing for Locate Alexis Patterson. The family would continue to fight for media coverage and assistance from other outside agencies. Ayana wanted all hands on deck. She needed all the help she could get to find her missing daughter. On May 11th, now eight days after Alexis had vanished, there is finally a segment on national TV, and it airs on America's Most Wanted featuring Alexis's case. Numerous tips and leads came in after that aired, but none that led to Alexis or indicated what may have happened to her. One month after Alexis disappeared, Another child would go missing in Salt Lake City, Utah. That child was 14-year-old Elizabeth Smart. The entire nation knew about Elizabeth the day she vanished. In fact, the response to Elizabeth's case was immediate from everyone and everywhere. Within hours, Elizabeth's disappearance was featured on CNN's Larry King Live and Fox News on the record with Greta Van Susteren. It took eight days for Alexis's story to attract attention outside Milwaukee with that segment on America's Most Wanted. The next national story on Alexis's case would air several weeks later. By the time Elizabeth had been gone for two weeks, USA Today 
had published three stories about her disappearance alone. There were none focused on Alexis. The law enforcement response also differed greatly. The day after Elizabeth disappeared, police called in the FBI and offered a $250,000 reward. In Milwaukee, it took three days to get the FBI to join, and then 19 days after, the sheriff's office finally offered a $10,000 reward. So Elizabeth Smart, investigators offered a $250,000 reward. The investigators in Alexis's case offered a $10,000 reward. Alexis's family was furious and saddened by the difference in how these two cases were treated and how they were handled. Interestingly, when you research Alexis's case, Elizabeth's story always comes up as well as a comparison. But when you research Elizabeth's story, you really don't get anything on Alexis Patterson. So I'm curious, have you heard of Elizabeth Smart's case? Have you heard of Elizabeth Smart? In contrast, have you heard about Alexis Patterson? Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Milwaukee is the most populated city in the state of Wisconsin with just over 500,000 permanent residents as of 2021. The city sits right on the shores of Lake Michigan. It's also considered the fifth largest city in the whole Midwest region. Milwaukee sits almost right in the middle of Chicago, Illinois, and Green Bay, Wisconsin. All three of those cities sit right on the shores of Lake Michigan. Specifically, the neighborhood where Alexis and her family lived was near the High Mount Community School. I don't have an exact address, but we know that she was walking to the school, so she had to be close. This is located on the northwest side of the city. And you can do a street view image of this neighborhood. It's a very populated residential area. There's looks like there's a couple churches nearby. And all of the homes and buildings look pretty close together. If something had happened, say an abduction just outside the school that morning, how did no one see anything? The Washington Park area is definitely a point of interest in her case. And I believe that's likely due to the proximity to the school. It's never been clarified if there was anything else that led them to search that park area or just the proximity. But again, nothing was found to indicate that Alexis had ever been there that day. Leeds. During the course of the investigation, some interesting leads would come in. At one point, authorities directed their attention fully to the Baton Rouge, Louisiana area. A lot of details weren't made public as to why they were doing that, and this lead would not bring any answers. Several years later, in 2016, a man from Ohio came forward and said that he believed his ex-wife was Alexis Patterson. In fact, his ex-wife had said she had no memory of her childhood and believed something had happened to her around the time Alexis went missing. Now at this time, in 2016, Alexis would be 21 years old. The family was immediately overjoyed, and for some reason, this lead really resonated with them. They truly believed this was their Alexis. However, 
Sadly, DNA results showed that this young woman was not Alexis Patterson. Another lead would come in from a prison inmate in Wisconsin. This inmate swears up and down that he has information on the Alexis Patterson case, but no one has taken him seriously. And I get that. How credible is an inmate who is out looking for a deal of some kind? They're not always the most reliable sources. But sometimes inmates can get information from other inmates, information that law enforcement can't get. So this inmate wrote a letter that was pretty specific. Again, nothing ever came of this within the investigation for Alexis Patterson. I'm going to read you the letter and I'll let you decide what you think. I'd never heard of Alexis Patterson until I had a conversation with an inmate over the summer of 2021 about her. I've since learned through friends on the outside who've Googled her name that Alexis Patterson was a seven-year-old girl who went missing in 2002 after her stepdad dropped her off at school. Here's what I know. About six months ago, an inmate here at Columbia Correctional Institution was working with me in the unit kitchen. He told me he was from California, just like me. We were cool at first and everything was going well. I told him all about who I was in my past as a hitman and about my escape. So he liked all that crap about who I was and I told him I really wanted out of the state of Wisconsin's Department of Corrections. I told him the prison had been lying to me, telling me I will be transferred after COVID is over. And I even showed him some emails to prove that what I was saying is true. After he'd seen the emails and understood how bad I wanted out of this state, he offered me a way out. This is what he told me. He said he knows about a high profile cold case in the state of Wisconsin out of Milwaukee. So I listened to him. He asked me if I could say that I was in the state of Wisconsin in 2002 and 2003. I said, yes, I can say that. No problem. He told me the person's name was Alexis Patterson and how it is a high profile case and the DA would do anything if I took them a body. See, I already have a life sentence, so it wouldn't make any difference if I got one more life sentence, because what's the difference between one or ten life sentences in prison, right? So I started asking him questions about the murder, because I admit, I was a little interested at first. I really wanted to get back to California, where I was in prison before, because that's where all my family lives. So I asked how old she was, and he said she was young. I said, what, under 18? And he said, yes. Now, even for us guys in prison, we have rules when it comes to killing people. As sick as that sounds, you don't hurt or kill children. In prison, that's a big no-no. Then I asked if she was under the age of 12. He waited for a minute to answer with an unsure look on his face on how I would take it. He said, yes, she is under 12. Right then, red flags went off in my mind, and I told him I can't take the case because I would get killed in prison in whatever state I ended up in. Then he tried to convince me that it would be okay, and I knew then that this guy was a sicko. I asked him why she was killed. He gave me the dumbest reason a sex offender could come up with. He told me it was over some gang stuff. I then asked him, at the time I was thinking, you sick I then told him again, I can't have anything to do with this case, but he still went on telling how high profile this case was and it would be a for sure way to get me transferred to California. 
I could never look at him the same way after that. He made me sick. Some time went by and he ended up getting fired from the kitchen job, so I decided to talk with administration here at the prison about the case. After talking with someone in prison administration, they contacted the Milwaukee Police Department and pushed them to come talk to me about this case. Administration officials pushed hard for justice for the family of Alexis Patterson. But the Milwaukee Police Department didn't seem to care, so at that time I reached out to even more friends. I had two friends contact the Milwaukee Police Department and push them again to come talk to me about the murder of Alexis Patterson. The Milwaukee Police Department still didn't come. Then one of my friends took it right to some of the family of Alexis Patterson, and I've still had no luck. I'm not the man I used to be. I'm a kind man that now wants to help people. I have done so many wrongs in my past, and I must try to make up for that somehow, some way. If I can give Alexis Patterson's mother some peace and closure with her daughter, then why won't the Milwaukee Police Department do their job? The administration here at the prison has told the Milwaukee Police Department that I'm requesting a lie detector to prove that I'm telling the truth. I hate the system because it only works when they want it to. Justice, what a joke. I hope this lights a fire under the Milwaukee Police Department to do their job. That was the letter from prison inmate in Wisconsin. I'll let you make a judgment on it. There are some other interesting facts about this case. In 2003, one year after Alexis vanished, Laron, her stepdad, was arrested for domestic violence against Ayana. That year, Ayana's biological father was also arrested for battery of a child, specifically his eight-month-old child, and it was said to be severe. In May of 2012, the infamous Israel Keys list came out. For those of you unfamiliar, Israel Keyes was an active serial killer who was known to be very active across the U.S. from 2001 to 2012. He confessed to several crimes, but many believe that there were many others. In May of 2012, that list of names became public. These were names that Israel Keyes himself had mentioned or had done computer searches on at one point. There is no way of knowing if he committed these crimes, or if he was just interested in studying them or following them for some reason. There were 44 names on this list, and Alexis Patterson was one of them. Israel Keyes died at his own hand in December of 2012. In 2021, Alexis's stepfather, Laron, the last one to see Alexis, and the one that many people thought might have been involved somehow, passed away from a drug overdose. He was 52 years old. So Alexis, a seven-year-old girl, vanishes, supposedly on her way to school one morning in broad daylight, but no one sees or notices anything? Her mom still believes that Alexis is alive and out there and continues to hold vigils for her daughter. On April 2nd, 2011, a sweet 16 party was held for her. Alexis Patterson is described as an African-American girl who was just seven years old when she vanished in May of 2002. She would today be 27. The day she was last seen, she was wearing a hooded red pullover nylon jacket with a gray stripe running down each sleeve, a light purple or blue shirt, light blue jeans, 
in blue and white high top Nike sneakers. She was carrying a pink Barbie book bag. Her hair was styled in two French braids, which were pulled back into a ponytail. Alexis has black hair and brown eyes. She also has a scar right below her right eye. Her ears are pierced. Alexis's nicknames are Lexi and Pi. She is right-handed. Anyone with any information is asked to contact the Milwaukee Police Department at 414-935-7401. Thank you so much for listening to Alexis's story. It's been 20 years, but someone out there might have the answers that the family so desperately needs. Please make sure you are following us over on the socials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for the Where Are They podcast, or you can find the links in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show further, you can join us on Patreon. We offer bonus episodes and we use those funds to partner with our charity partners and the family GoFundMe accounts. The link to our Patreon is in the notes as well. And a huge thank you to all of those supporting us already. Any feedback or case suggestions can be sent over via social media or sent to my email at canwefindthem at gmail.com. Again, thank you so, so much for listening to Alexis Patterson's story today. Please share any way that you can. We will be back again very soon with another unsolved missing person case. And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.